Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of God this morning. Don't lose your footing. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Let's listen to these words from the Lord. Familiar passage on the armor of God. Let's take it fresh into our spirit today. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places or spiritual realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That's right, watching out for all the saints. Passage on the armor of God. The language is intense. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil, against principalities and powers and darkness that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. Make sure it's on you, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The stakes are high. And the enemy wants to bring down the saints. The devil wants to bring down the saints. I have such a pleading in my spirit this morning to safeguard you from the enemy to alert your souls against the enemy of your soul. We live in an evil day. In some respects, the days have always been evil for God's people, but certainly none so evil as today. Things unthinkable, unimaginable are being perpetrated in the culture. And the unbelieving world is defenseless against the enemy, and that's why they fall so easily. But we have the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. And if we don't put on the whole armor of God, we will leave ourselves open to the enemy, if not completely, at least in some part. And it's enough for him because he knows how to strike. He knows where and how to strike. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God. Keep it on. Tighten it up upon your lives today. Seven pieces of armor, and we need them all if we're going to be fortified and strengthened and protected against the enemy. The Bible says that you might be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. The word means trickery, deceit, cunning, traps and snares, lures, deception. Not only obvious things like movies and videos. And yes, you heard me right. 
laced with his propaganda, immorality, and darkness, but also things like resentment, offense, bitterness, rejection, discouragement, despair. The enemy comes in all ways to use things against our life, and we must put on the whole armor of God. It is no day to wear the armor of God loosely. It's no day to let the armor of, of God lay aside. We must put it on tightly to serve the Lord. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 7, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the left hand and on the right, because the enemies are all about us. Put on the whole armor of God. Put it on tightly, wear it properly, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, to walk protected by the Lord, to walk in his victory today in this evil world, in this present evil age. Armored up. Now there are seven items of spiritual armor. I'm not going to detail them, but I want to briefly touch on them before I get on with the message. The helmet of salvation. Or as the Apostle Paul also says, the helmet of the hope of salvation. An expectation upon our minds and upon our understanding that God is good and does good and that he's working good in our lives. An expectation of reward and the blessing of the Lord. Keep on the helmet of salvation. And if we don't, we won't win the battle of the mind. The enemy will create mischief in our mind. He will plant his thoughts and suggestions in our mind. We must have on the helmet of salvation at all times. We need the breastplate of righteousness to cover our heart so that our heart doesn't grow weary and worn, to protect our affections and our loyalties and our covenants. So the enemy can't seed his undermining feelings and emotions, negative things in our heart, but our heart is protected and covered by the armor of God. The belt of truth, our entire being tightened up like a belt does. Our entire being tightened up to serve the Lord in sincerity and according to the word, according to his truth. A deep and holy determination to serve God at all times, for all times, and unto the end till we go to be with the Lord. A life dedicated to serve the Lord. The belt of truth. The shield of faith. Faith is a believing spirit. To believe the word of God, to put our trust in the promises of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. We believe his promises. The enemy would come to undermine the promises of God. But anything, any suggestion that comes against the promises or the counsel of God, we must deal with swiftly and decisively and cast it down. That's the armor of God. That's what it'll do for you. Then we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a sword wielded in us by the Holy Spirit. It's the wor a word from God. It's a rhema word, a word 
particularly fitted for an instant, for a circumstance, for a situation. It is an it is written word. In the moment of battle, you have exactly what you need to counteract the enemy and pierce him and drive him back. It's a word from God. A life so in tune with the Holy Spirit that while the enemy is creating his mischief and bringing suggestions and thoughts, you already have an answer from the Holy Spirit. And you know it's true. While you can feel a temptation coming, while you can feel a thought coming, while you can feel an emotion coming, you're so in tune with the Holy Spirit and know the Word of God that while that is still taking place, you've already got the answer on your tongue. And it is written from the Lord. The armor of God. A people armored up so they're not defensive, so they're not brought down, so they don't falter and stumble because their armor isn't secure and isn't put on properly. And now, don't lose your footing. Shoes on our feet. Shoes on our feet. Sandaled shoes, gospel shoes that are secure, that are on tight, so we can walk properly in this world because the enemy would like to trip us up. He'd like to knock us off our feet. John 6, 66. From that time, many of Jesus' disciples went back and walked with him no more. They lost their footing. There were many disciples. I mean, these are disciples. These aren't just some listeners. People interested, these are disciples. From that time forth, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They lost their footing. They had an initial zeal to serve the Lord. They loved the message. They loved the kingdom, the gospel. But when the cost of discipleship became very demanding, and you don't notice it at first, but when you begin to walk with the Lord, you begin to understand the trek. You begin to understand the demand. You begin to understand the crucified life and what it's going to take to serve God properly in this world. These disciples, when they began to face that awareness, they lost their footing and went back and walked no more with the Lord. 666. John 666. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, you repent and receive Christ as Savior. Ask God to forgive your sins and consecrate your life to follow Jesus. Become a disciple, a Jesus follower. You become a new creation. The Greek word for a babe in Christ is brephos. A baby, a baby Christian, born again and then baptized in water, and then comes a battle. The moment Jesus got baptized, he was attacked by the devil. Ephesians 4, 14, start to walk with the Lord. 4, 14 to 15, the apostle Paul warns that we should no longer be children the Greek word napios, meaning toddler. This is somebody who's not a baby now. He's learning to walk, trying to walk with the Lord. 
committing to Christian life. He said that we should no longer be toddlers, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Doesn't say the devil there. By the trickery of men, persuasion of people, their lifestyle, how they want to pull you aside. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Once you are born again and are baptized and begin to walk with the Lord, there is a cunning craftiness working against you by the enemy. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that there is a stage after you get born again where you can be tossed about, carried about with winds of doctrine, weird doctrines, Trickery of men, people try to pull you back, people try to pull you down. Your old friends want you to revisit the old places with them and they put pressure on you and there's relationships you don't want to give up. And the trickery of Satan himself in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. The Bible says we're going to grow up into Christ in all things. A baby, a toddler, a young man on, walking on with God, protected by the armor of God, and growing into strength and stability and stature in Christ. A toddler is somebody, a little child that toddles. They're unsteady on their feet. They're unstable. A Christian toddler is a young believer that's a little unsteady on their feet. It's easy to knock them over. It's easy for them to lose their balance. What they need is caring believers about them to help them, to take them by the hands, to take them by the heart and lead them like a father or mother. Take their child and teach that child how to walk and walk in strength and walk in purpose. You know, the Bible says in the Psalms that the Lord took us from our mother's womb and he taught us how to go he taught us how to walk he took us by the hands until we had stability and we could walk with him and now we grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ the Lord what about first Kings 18 21 and Elijah came unto all the people and said how long halt ye Stumble? How long do you stumble or limp between two opinions? One foot and then the other. A person that halts as they walk. This is a word spoken to the people of God. The people of God had been in their inheritance for many years. They had walked with God, but now they began to grow careless. And they said, we're going to serve God and we're going to serve ourselves. We're going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve the world as well. And Elijah said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Because they had to sort it out. Am I going to serve God fully or am I not? 
Am I going to continue in my half-hearted way, one foot in the world, one foot in God, or am I going to follow the Lord fully? Is there anyone on the brink this morning? And if you fall to the devil's side, it will be ruined. And the Lord is calling, the Lord is pleading with us that we would put on the armor of God and walk with God in righteousness and strength and with a steady step. Hebrews 12, 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, turned out of the way, but rather be healed, but rather be healed. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Sometimes under the chastening, the disciplines, the training of the Lord, we begin to lose heart because this life is a training ground, training for reigning. And we endure many things. And the Bible says the things that we endure, all the discomforts and the pressures, the difficulties, the trials, the circumstances, the Bible says these things are the training of the Lord. They're the chastening of the Lord. The Lord is using these things to teach us how to walk in victory, to overcome the world, to overcome the devil, to live as people of God, because that, the approval of our faith, is more precious than gold that perishes. Now, sometimes we lose our spiritual mind, and we think all these circumstances and things we're going through, we just get so annoyed with them and frustrated with them, we can become resentful, discouraged, we can become wayward in our heart. But the Bible says that we are to endure this chastening, endure this life as training, training in faith, training in victory, training in overcoming. No chastening seems to be joyful. And we can all say amen to that. It's painful, some of the things we endure and that we go through. But the Lord is our Lord. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and strengthen the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. Don't lose your footing when you're under chastening, when things are difficult, so that you are dislocated or you're turned out of the way. You fall away from the path of righteousness. But the Bible says, rather let it be healed. Rather be healed. Anyone with sore knees today? Strengthen the feeble knees. How are your knees today? Armor number seven, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. How are our prayer bones today? Prophet Joel says, get to the prayer room. Call the people, 
assemble the people, call them all together into the house of the Lord, get into the prayer room. The times are difficult, the times are serious. There's an enemy, there's a threat. World spirit, powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. Let the people get into the prayer room and cry out and say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the wicked one. Deliver us from the evil one. Get some protection on the people of God. Get some protection on your family and on your own life. Reinhard Bonnke, late evangelist, internationally known, such a powerful gospel ministry, especially in Africa. Millions of people came to Christ under his ministry. He said, the reason Christians don't pray is that they don't know what they're up against. The reason Christians don't pray is that they don't know what they're up against. Let's, let, let's allow the Holy Spirit this morning to show us what we're up against in this world. The subtlety of Satan, the cunning craftiness, the plotting of the enemy to take us out, to break the family line, to break the posterity from serving the Lord, to bring forth lives that are faltering and stumbling and not protected by the power of God. We have a serious enemy. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God and secure it tightly. And item number seven, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We need to give ourselves to prayer more than ever. Calling on the Lord, praying in the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, groanings and yearnings of the Spirit, deep utterance of the Spirit, deep calling of God for the protection of the Lord upon our lives and upon the church. Second Chronicles 16, 12. And in the 39th year of his reign, King Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. In the 39th year of his reign, King Asa reigned 41 years. The Bible says he followed the Lord. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He took out the idols and abominations out of the land and called the people to serve the Lord. But in the 39th year of his reign, he became diseased in his feet. Served God fully for 39 years, and all of a sudden, some dis-ease came into his heart against the Lord, and it showed up in his feet. Don't think because you've walked with God for 39 years that you can deal loosely with your armor. Say, well, I've served God for 30, 40 years. I can't make a mistake. We can make a mistake. King Asa, at the end of his life, made a severe mistake. He no longer relied on the Lord for protection for the nation. He went to the kings around him, kings of Syria to embolden his army and to strengthen himself. And the Lord was angered by it. A prophet of the Lord came to Asa to speak to him and call him to righteousness and to follow the Lord. And he was wroth with the prophet. He was angered at the prophet. And he said, I'm not going to turn to the Lord. Judgments of the Lord came upon him. 
wayward in his heart and it showed up in his feet diseased in his feet he should have gone to the Lord for healing the Bible says we should judge ourselves for this cause many are weak and sickly and die prematurely because we don't judge ourselves King Asa didn't judge himself he should have gone to the Lord for healing to restore his heart you know if his relationship with the Lord would have been corrected the disease would have gone out of his feet but he refused to go to the Lord he said I'm gonna go to the doctors instead and two years later he died with that stain on his record put on the whole armor of God let him that stands take heed lest he fall we have to serve the Lord an entire lifetime and we can't take the armor off no matter if we have track record no matter if we have history no matter if we have reputation in the kingdom you can make a mistake at the end of your life you can't afford to take the armor off until you're off the field and safe in heaven Psalm 73 truly God is good to Israel to such as are pure in heart but as for me my feet had almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked here's a believer came into the Psalms a believer struggling with financial difficulty financial problems struggling with provision struggling to make ends meet he said truly God is good to Israel to such as are pure in heart but as for me don't get an as for me spirit but as for me yeah God blesses other people but as for me so that's for me my my feet had almost stumbled I my steps my steps had nearly slipped I was envious of the prosperity of the wicked I was struggling financially got to my spirit began to wear on me all of a sudden I found myself wayward in my heart wasn't as responsive to the Lord wasn't as friendly to the Lord coldness came into this believer because of financial struggle in life and so this believer said well it's Sunday I don't feel like it but I guess I'll go to church and all the way to church still fussing and fuming and you can read about it and then we come to verse 17 until I went into the sanctuary of God I said something happened to me when I walked into the house of the Lord discouraged as I was over my finances and upset and anxious and restless I walked into the house of God and I came into the company of the worshiping people and something happened the victory of God took hold of my spirit and the promises of God and the cobwebs went out of my head and the and clarity returned to my spirit so then I understood their end the ungodly world surely you set them in slippery places not me surely you set them in slippery places you cast them down to destruction oh how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors 
As a dream when one awakes, so, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you, Lord. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Financial struggle. But Lord, you will hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. You are the great shepherd of the sheep. You are Jehovah Jireh. You will provide. You will lead me. I put my trust back in you. I said, I have, I'm walking on slippery places. My feet almost slipped. I said, no, I'm standing on the rock of my salvation. And whatever winds blow, blow. But I'm not in a slippery place. The ungodly, the unbelieving world is in the slippery place. And our salvation is of the Lord. He's the rock of our salvation. Well, let's have the worship team return. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, 1 to 8. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. A man lame from his mother's womb. A man born lame. Just like us. There's not a person here that has been unaffected by the fall. We're lame from our mother's womb. We can't walk right. But the Holy Spirit says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You may be at the temple doors today, lying on a mat, hoping for a handout, something to get you through another day. But the Holy Spirit says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Come off the mat. Come off the low living. There's an answer in Jesus Christ. Is there a discouraged mother in the house today? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Is there a disheartened father in the house? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Is there a tempted teenager in the house? Tempted by peer pressure and worldliness, friends and your own independence. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
Is there a struggling believer in the house this morning? You don't know if you can take another step. You don't know if you can go on. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I don't have enough silver and gold if I divvied out this morning to this congregation that there would be enough for each one of you to make a real difference in your lives. But one thing I have, one thing I give to you, the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I know a name. I know a Savior. I know a friend. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Let's stand together and read Jude 1, 24 to 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... Come on, start to prophesy over your bones today. Start to prophesy over your life today. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Is there some area that's debilitating to you? Is there something that's getting you down today? Is there something that has broken your will to serve the Lord? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Speak to yourself. Does your body need healing? Are your bones broken? Is your heart broken this morning? Ankle bones that aren't strong. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.